You're listening to an episode of the Formed and Sent podcast from the week of March 4th, 2019. On this week's episode, Matt and Michael are actually gone. They're out of town in Guatemala for the week. And so uh, I brought in a special guest, Aaron Debink, to talk through some of the highlights of a series in truth and culture that we did last year about the intersection of faith and science. So we're actually going to have that conversation over the course of two episodes. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about just the whole idea of there being a conflict between faith and science in the first place, and what is the Bible's role uh, in those conversations. So we're going to talk about that this week. Uh, if you have any questions about The Village, uh, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We hope this conversation is helpful. Enjoy. Welcome to the Formed and Set Podcast, a podcast of the Village Church that gathers in downtown Hamilton, Ohio. My name is Scott O'Donohue. I'm one of the pastors here of the Village, and with me today is a special guest. Uh, my name is Aaron Debink. Uh, I'm a husband and dad. Uh, I've been married for 15 years, have two daughters, uh, eight and five. I've been a member of the Village Church for, I think, going on seven or eight years uh, since we moved here to Ohio. And for my day job, I'm a physics teacher. And you're one of my one of my best buddies. <laughs> yeah, right back at you. Really appreciate your friendship. Uh, Matt and Michael are out of not just out of town, but out of the the country this week. They're in Guatemala. They are visiting with some church planters through Acts 29 Latin America uh, in in Guatemala, and so they're uh, hanging out with some folks down there. They're just kind of getting a lay of the land, um, kind of a discovery trip. We are seeking out as part of our kind of new global go arm of the church, uh, what it looks like for us to just partner with churches around the world. And so this is a, a good first step for us, and we're excited about that. So they're there right now um, figuring out what things look like and learning a lot, I'm sure. Um, they're alive and well, and I got a text from Michael earlier today, and they're enjoying their time down there. So I'm sure sometime in the near future we'll have an opportunity to hear from them uh, about, gosh, just what God's doing down there and how we might be able to partner with that. So super pumped about that. But today, Aaron uh, has joined us. And so we're super excited to have him on board. We're going to, as we've done um, in the past, would love to uh, bring on uh, both Truth and Culture and Rooted, which are two outlets that we have here at the church um, that just kind of dig into either some systematic theology or uh, bring in some topics that uh, are maybe cultural hot buttons or whatever, and maybe there's a rub between what the culture thinks and what the church seems to say. Um, we love to kind of explore that intersection. So that's that's what we're doing tonight, is taking a look at uh, maybe some of the high points, and some of the things that we covered in a Faith and Science uh, series of Truth and Culture that we actually had last year. Um, so we're super pumped uh, to have Aaron kind of lead us through uh, some of that tonight, what we talked about and what we learned and some of his observations um, as we talked about that last year and as he's done some more stuff with that material uh, since then. But before we get there, uh, can't skip the Snapple fact. And so I'm going to give uh, Mr. Aaron the honor of reading the Snapple fact for the day. So All give right. it a pop. and I hope we can do it justice. Here we go. <laughs> Beautiful. Here we go. So, Snapple fact of the evening is the average smell weighs 760 nanograms. 
smells weigh things. Yeah. And I yeah. guess I never thought about I that. I guess that's appropriate for science and faith conversations. It's science related. <laughs> there you go. You know, by providence, we got a science related right. snap effect. Perfect. Smells are made out of molecules. Molecules are made out of mass and matter. So therefore, it must weigh something. There you go. Holes on it. Hey, get ready. It's going to be a hot and exciting conversation <laughs> tonight. <laughs> Thrilling. Thrilling. <laughs> two, yeah. low, two low energy people talking about science stuff. Get ready. <laughs> Hold on to your, your chairs. Um, no, so uh, we really do want to uh, talk about what we discussed um, more at length. How, we, how many com- conversations do we have? Uh, we met series? together uh, yeah. with Truth and Culture four different times yeah. uh, and kind of looked at the the broad category of just how faith and science interact. Uh, and we looked at um, our first discussion was on theism, uh, so belief in God, naturalism, and the nature of science. Uh, how do we view science uh, as Christians? And I guess the big question in that conversation was, are faith and science in conflict? Are they fundamentally at odds with one another? Hmm. Um our second conversation was really just about science and the Bible. So how do we uh, interpret the Bible when it seems to talk about scientific-related things mm-hmm. uh, in the world around us? Uh, our, our third conversation was um, kind of looking at different camps that Christians find themselves in. So like those who would try to faith, uh, faithfully interpret Scripture and faithfully interpret the world that we have around us. So God's special revelation, God's general revelation. Like what are, I guess, the camps that they find themselves in uh, trying to make sense of these things? Uh, and actually, we, we're going to have just three conversations, and uh, the fourth <laughs> conversation co- kind of fell out of that, which is loosely related to the Origins conversation, but it was actually um, about just the possibility of extraterrestrial life. So that was, a, yeah. that was an interesting one. <laughs> that was a cool conversation. Yeah, definitely. Uh, had no idea where that one was going, and yeah. yet, you know. It was it was really cool. It was really interesting. So yeah, we may. I have no idea. We don't know like mm-hmm. where how long this episode is going to go or whatever. And so we may uh, break this up into two episodes if we need to do that, or you know segment it in some way, shape, or form. So we're just going to chat um, about this and see where it takes us. So so just a kind of a, a jumping off point, um, Aaron. Like I know that today it's not an uncommon thing for folks to believe that faith and science are pitted against each other, but um, has that always been the case historically, or is that kind of a relatively new thing in the, the grand scheme of things? Uh, yeah, so um, I think there are certainly um, people that think that faith and science are fundamentally at odds, and they're in conflict, and, and I would say uh, in some ways that's true, in some ways that's not true, mm-hmm. uh, and we can talk about the history about it a little bit, but um, there's certainly people who... Um, are in the scientific field that would say everything we see around us can be explained without God. Mm. And as Christians, we would say, well, everything we see around us, uh, we can exp- uh, God can explain that through, mm-hmm. you know, through uh, divine intervention or the the law, the natural laws that He's brought about. And so, like that, those two statements are actually fundament- fundamentally at odds. Either yeah. we, you know, we don't need God for any explanation. Or God is intimately involved in the explanation for all that we see. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that those two things are in conflict. So the question is, um, I guess, how do we think about that as Christians? Yeah. Um, so just, you know, a quote from uh, an author, John William Draper, uh, who wrote a book called The History of the Conflict Between Religion and Science, kind of puts the conflict view. Uh, he said, The history of science is not a mere record of isolated discoveries. It is a narrative of the conflict of two contending powers, the expansive force of the human intellect on one side and the compression arising from traditionary faith and human interests on the other. 
And so he definitely comes from perspective that these these are fundamentally at odds and in conflict with one another. Yeah. So kind of to your point, like, like if, if the way that we set up the argument itself really matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if we say, like, that either God, like, he's the only source of anything and any answer that we could possibly, or science is the only source for everything that we could absolutely want to know or need to know. Yeah. Like, by definition, those two arguments are set up to exclude the other without intersection. So is that a fair? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair yeah. uh, statement. <clears throat> I think some of the, the idea of this conflict of science come down, comes down to uh, thinking about, like, what we use for explanation. Mm-hmm. And so, like, um, some people say if we, can't, if we can explain something naturally, we don't need God. So yeah. we only use God as an explanation for that which we can't explain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of been called the God of the gaps. Um, it's just the idea that like we can only use God as an explanation uh, to explain things that we currently cannot understand or sorry, under things that we currently can't explain scientifically. And so we can only fit God in the gaps of our scientific understanding. Yeah. Uh, not in all of our explanation. Okay. Yeah. So um, I guess for for instance explaining planetary motion you know Hmm. why why doesn't the earth go hurtling off into space like why are we in this close to circular orbit or elliptical orbit around the sun yeah um before isaac newton and understand using the force of gravity to explain like why things Mm -hmm. actually orbit around other things um somebody a christian might have said well it's it's god who keeps the earth in orbit around the sun Mm -hmm. um but just because we can use the law of gravity to explain why your Earth doesn't going doesn't go off hurtling into space uh, doesn't mean God's not the explanation behind that. Sure. Okay. Because yeah. you know, like biblically, I guess we have to, to look at like, well, how, how does the the Bible view God as a, as creator and sustainer? Mm-hmm. So is God only miraculously intervening at certain points, and everything else He just kind of lets run? Yeah. Or is God behind the regularities and like the the patterns that we find in the world that we actually get to investigate and study with science? Yeah. Or does he like does he do both? Right. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good. Yeah. So <laughs> if we only ascribe to him the things that don't seem to make sense to us. Yes. Then like we kind of erase him from all of the laws or ways that the world works that we would say he set up in the first place. Yeah. But if if we only ascribe the miraculous stuff, the unnatural, supernatural things, then, yeah, we kind of eliminate his presence yeah. and his power and all that stuff. And as we maybe understand more, like, it, it seems to, like, push him further and further away. Absolutely. If that's, if right, that's yeah. why we set it up. Yeah, yeah, the advance of science is we're able to explain more and more through what we call natural laws, like the yeah. regular regularities and patterns that we find uh, in the universe and nature. And if, like, our understanding grows, our, quote, natural understanding, then, like, I guess God's arena of explanation is shrinking more and yeah. more and more and more and more. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I guess, you know, like looking at scripture, there's like literally hundreds of verses that talk about God as creator and sustainer. And so there's lots of places that we could go mm-hmm. in the Bible to like look at like, well, what picture does like the Bible paint of God as creator? Yeah. You know? Um, and so like biblically, if we're going to, if we're going to think about God as creator biblically, um, I just want to maybe take you through like three verses that I found helpful to kind of think of some of the broad categories. Sure. First one is in uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. And it's, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Hmm. So first and foremost, that God created all things. 
like physical, spiritual, like everything, everything visible and everything visible and invisible. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's and that's everywhere in the Bible. Yeah. Talking about God as creator. Then another one I found helpful was in uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 35 through 36. Um, it says, Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. Hmm. But it's talking about like the fixed order of the moon, like the regular patterns hmm. and cycles that we can that we would say we can explain naturally. Yeah. But like this is ascribing like those fixed orders to God. Hmm. And so God's uh you know, he's the creator of all that there is, everything that we can see and that we can't see. Yeah. And the regular patterns that we can investigate uh, and describe using science, yeah, like God's behind that too. Yeah, that's that's a part of like a biblical view of God as creator. Mm. And so, man, if God is using natural processes to fulfill His purposes, that's a part of God. I mean, that's a part of like our picture of who God is yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. Um, and so I think another one, it's, uh, another verse, it's Hebrews chapter one, verses two through three. Um, it says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So to me, that just kind of speaks of God's ongoing involvement in the world that he created. Yeah. Um, and it, he didn't just, it's not this deistic view of like God kind of put everything into existence. Yeah. He set up all these natural laws and rules that, you know, all matter and energy has to follow. And then he just took a step back and just kind of let it go like a clock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think, you know, those are just three verses out of over, you know, a hundred in the Bible that talk about God as creator. But I think that gives us a good biblical framework for kind of moving forward in this conversation. Yeah. About that's super helpful. Science. Yeah. That's great. That's really great. Yeah. Cool. Um, so talk a little bit about, you know, like uh, setting up argumentation, you know, in such a way that seems to exclude what is the what do you think is the source of tension um, that actually like exists between science and faith not that maybe there actually should be mm-hmm. but like what is the source of tension between the two i mean i think it ultimately comes down to um people claiming contradictory things yeah like we don't need god to explain anything or we can use god to explain everything like yeah. those are you know the two basic contradictory claims uh but it, i think it, it's even smaller than that because um you know uh somebody who has faith in god or who is a theist uh, might believe that the universe in, and the earth is 7,000 years old. Mm-hmm. Modern scientific consensus would say the universe is 13.8 billion and the earth is 4.5 billion years old. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, those are two conflictory statements. And so, um, yeah, people who have a faith in God and those who um, study the universe that God has created, like, come to different conclusions. Mm-hmm about the universe that he's created. And some of that has to do just with like biblical interpretation um, and how that interfaces with what we see in the world around us. Yeah, that makes sense. So there's some, maybe some unnecessary tension, but also some, some like tension that's just to be expected because people will arrive at different conclusions, right? We can look at different things and different, like we don't have to talk about science. We can talk about anything and 
to look at a crime scene, right? And a detective, you know, get three detectives in, and they might come to different conclusions about what happened or what direction or who's the, you know. Yeah, and I so, mean, they're looking yeah. at all the same evidence, right? Right, And they're building an, evident, an evidence-based case to try to figure out, like, what happened in yeah. the past. Um, but they can come to different conclusions. Right. right? And what is, what's the evidence that we have in front of us? We have God's revealed word in the scriptures, mm-hmm. and we have uh, the universe around us that God has created, right? Yeah. Who is intimately involved in upholding it and its regularities persisting as regularities. Yeah. I was listening to uh, something earlier today about um, just the history of the church and science and all those things. Because historically, like, I mean... The, the church was actually like intimately involved with hmm. the world of science and actually spurring on, you know, scientific inquiry and discovery and yep. all those things. But then as the church uh, doctrine or dogma rather kind of seemed to start conflicting with observations that, hmm. you know, Copernicus and Galileo and others yep. were making, then all of a sudden, like, there was this tension there because the, the dogma of the church didn't line up with what seemingly was being observed by science. Those, those sure. patterns and regular rhythms of nature that we happen to see, like, gosh, the earth isn't, I don't think, is the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we actually revolve around the, the sun, yeah. you know, and how, like, that was a revolutionary thing that we all would agree with at the time, but the church... That was not, you know, like the Catholic Church did not believe that that was the case. They believed that the earth was at the, the center of... The center of the universe. The universe. Yeah. And so... What's interesting, it wasn't just the church that believed that. It was like oh, culture at sure. large that believed yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, when that was a new scientific idea, um, it was new to everybody. Yeah. But the church was, was certainly happy to embrace that. Um, and, you know, people in the church at the time, hundreds of years ago, like they pointed to specific verses in the Bible, which mm-hmm. would back up that uh, the earth is stationary. It's a, you know, a fixed earth and everything mm-hmm. must have revolved around it. Um, and so, like, yeah, I guess th- that's a danger, uh, potentially, in identifying what, what, what the cultural idea of science is and saying, well, we can find verses to back that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, that works fine when, like, culturally... And biblically, we would say that there's agreement yeah. uh, or concord between those things. Um, but that's actually a great case example of the fact that there was there was plenty of evidence, so much so that now, now pretty much just about everybody would agree that the earth does go around the sun, not vice versa. Yeah. Right? And so that would be an example of scientific evidence causing uh, people to go back and think, well, are we interpreting the Bible correctly? Yeah. Um, this is an opt- This is an instance where uh, scientific evidence pointed now the consensus of Christians to think about the way they interpreted certain scriptural verses differently. Hmm. And it's interesting to note, like even Martin Luther, um, to his deathbed, as far as I know, yeah. like, was a fixed earther. He didn't believe that the the earth moved. Yeah. Right. And in his appeal was to verses in the Bible. Hmm. Right. Uh, I think there's a verse in Psalms. I don't remember the, the exact reference, but that the earth is set on its foundations so that it shall not move or it shall not yeah. be moved, mm-hmm. something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a verse like there um, and just other verses around the Bible, which you could read that and think, well, that plainly suggests the earth doesn't move. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're going to stick with that. The Bible says that. doesn't matter what this new astronomer is saying. Yeah. We've got to stick with that. That's so interesting. Yeah. 
fun fact, like I, I learned like in terms of the Reformation's impact on the scientific, mm-hmm. like the, the relationship between the church and science, like because the reformers were essentially claiming that the church had abandoned, you know, the word of God mm-hmm. that the Catholic church had, um, then like the Catholic church dug in their heels all the more and where they allowed, like kind of tolerated um, maybe some scientific ideas or whatever uh, that were not aligned with hmm. uh, church dogma. Like they tolerated it for a while. Like when the reformers started challenging their commitment to the word and right wow. doctrine, they dug their heels in and said, all right, if you don't align with something, you're now a heretic hmm. and you're out at best, if not, you know, burned or, you know, tortured or killed by the, uh, by the church. And so actually like the reformation had this, uh, you know, negative impact on the relationship between science and the church where like science, mm. those who wanted to pursue scientific inquiry in the church, no matter kind of where it led them, yeah. uh, had to go like underground. <laughs> so we, interesting. we think about like the church in some places having to go underground because of persecution, all those things. And it was flip flop back then with the, the scientists having to go underground, um, you know, in the future because of the the impact of the Reformation on the Catholic Church, which is interesting at it the time. Interesting. Yeah. So just a little tidbit of history. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Um, you know, you mentioned before just that, like, uh, you know, the advent of, like, modern science uh, back in that time. Mm-hmm. Like, a Christian worldview, um, I'd say, would have something positive to, like, to add to this, this discussion in the hmm. sense that, um, you know, it was Christians who... Um, believe that the universe was comprehensible hmm. and could be understood. Why? Because they believe in a God who upheld it yeah. and was behind the universe that they could observe. And if God doesn't change, they believe that like the, the universe and the laws and the regularities wouldn't change. And so they expected a universe that could be understood. And like that, yeah. that's part of, I guess, the background philosophy that like led people to say, hey, maybe we can investigate this and there's something to actually find out. Yeah. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So really today, like where we see the the division in some places or in some pockets of culture, like between faith and so there's actually something missing mm-hmm. then like because there's a separation of those two things in lots of people's minds where yeah. both science and faith have something to add to the other. Mm-hmm. Is that like a fair statement i think so yeah yeah I, i've got an interesting quote actually from copernicus so the the scientist who kind of came up with this idea of the fact that the earth revolved around the sun yeah uh, and he saw doing the process of science as a form of worship and the quote mm. is and he says to know the mighty works of god to comprehend his wisdom and majesty and power to appreciate in degree the wonderful workings of his laws, surely all of this must be a pleasing and acceptable mode of worship to the Most High, to whom, to whom ignorance cannot be more grateful than knowledge. Hmm. So he's saying, like, you know, just appreciating the wonderful working of his, of his laws, even though that's not, like, divine intervention, like, that in and of itself is a pleasing, acceptable form of worship to hmm. God. Just understanding how he, how he upholds the universe and... Um, appreciating the, the the what we would call natural laws that help us explain yeah. the workings of the world around us. Well, that's, I mean, when I think about the charge that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden to have dominion over mm-hmm. the earth, you know, a, a part of that is, I think, observing how the world works so mm-hmm. that you can care for it and steward it and make it better. Sure. And so certainly as technology advances and all those things, or 
or using the advancement of technology for the sake of, you know, stewarding uh, mm-hmm. and having dominion over the like. I think that's that's part of it. You yeah. know, is I think fulfilling that mandate that God gave us is to understand the world that He made. Like yeah. there are reasons He gave us the faculties that He did in the charge that He did, and a- apart from <laughs> like understanding the world He put us in, like how else would we go about trying to to make this place better, right, yeah. and to care for it? We don't understand it. Sure. So, yeah, it makes total sense that science, as we understand it today, would be one way that we can pursue being stewards and understanding and having dominion over hmm. the earth, right? Yeah. So just kind of to maybe land this piece of the conversation, like, yeah. so maybe we would say science and faith, like, they don't really have to be at odds with each other. Is that a fair? Not that there won't be tension. Sure. Maybe in where people land on stuff, but ultimately, like, faith and science as they exist, maybe in the abstract, like yeah. there doesn't have to be tension. Is that a fair statement yeah, or would I, you disagree with that? No, I think that's a fair statement. I think it it has a broader view of God as the agent behind what we see. Mm-hmm. And so not just seeing God as a miracle worker, yeah. somebody who like pops into the universe and does something miraculous that we can't explain. And like that's when we can see God at work. Yeah. Rather, viewing God at work in the natural laws and regularities that he's actually ordained for Mm -hmm. this universe to follow, like seeing that as part of a way that God fulfills his purposes, Mm -hmm. and we can praise him and give him glory for that. Yeah. And so it's just, it's a bigger view of God. Yeah. Um, And which means uh, doing science can be an act of worship, Mm -hmm. understanding how, how God has allowed things to to work in the universe that he's created. I want to quote uh, a guy named Aaron Devink. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's something you wrote in one of your documents that is essentially kind of what you said. Our view of God should be bigger than one of just a miracle worker, someone who can break the laws of nature. God is the author and current sustainer of those laws and also uses those laws of regularities to accomplish his purposes. I just think that's great. I'd agree with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> what a smart dude. Hmm. A wise chap. So uh, we've talked about, you know, the Bible and uh, and stuff, you know, so far in our conversation. But, like, to kind of maybe focus in on that, what mm. what would you say is the Bible's place, um, like, in conversations about faith and science, right? Because as we've already illustrated, like, there seems to be, you know, the Bible says this, and then, you know, yep. science discovers something different. And yep. people cling to this, yep. even though evidence points to So, like, what... What should the Bible's place be in these conversations about faith and science? Oh, I mean, that's a big question, Scott. Um, I think you ask, you know, five different people and they'll have five, five different answers. Yeah. And five different thoughtful people will have five different answers. Sure. Five different thoughtful Christians will have five different answers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think it's a fair question. I think, um, yeah, I, f- I feel like we have to approach it humbly. Yeah. Like anytime we approach God's Word and try to discern like what God has revealed to us um, mm-hmm. and what the nature of that revelation is. And so I guess a big question, which I'd like us to talk about um, at some point is mm-hmm. just like, what is God's intended purpose for his divine revelation through scripture? Hmm. We know it's yeah. theological. Is it also scientific? Yeah. Um, I think it's just, that's that right there is kind of a big question. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, people come to the Bible with all sorts of scientific questions. I've come to the Bible with lots of scientific questions. Yeah. Um, like, how old is the earth and everything God created? Does the Bible have anything to say about evolution? Do we live on a flat earth? We've already talked about the question, does the sun and star, do the sun and stars go around the earth, or does the earth mm-hmm. go around the sun? 
Um, is all of humanity descended from one man and one woman? Um, does the Bible support the idea of an expanding universe, like Big Bang kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. I mean, that's just an example of just uh, some of the myriad of scientific questions that we come to the Bible looking for answers for. Yeah. So how do you, you know, so we can ask the Bible any question that we want to, right? Yes. When we look for answers, yes. yep. <laughs> can we expect it to, can we expect the Bible to answer like all those questions that you listed? So you go to the scriptures, can you like, yeah. you know, okay, like chapter verse where the answer is to those things. Yeah. Is that, what, what do you, yeah. How do you, you do? How, yeah. What do yeah. you do with that? Is it up to you? Well, I think it really comes down to a question of like, how do we interpret the Bible? Yeah. In terms of like when it relates to scientific things. And so um, just in my study of like people who are trying to do that with scripture mm-hmm. and trying to faithfully, you know, they, they believe that God is, uh, the scripture is God's inspired word and they're, they want to be faithful interpreters of it. And I would say that um, there's kind of three camps that I've been able to find. Like one is, well, the Bible is not just theologically inspired. It's also like scientifically inspired. Okay. And so we can read science out of the Bible. Okay. So a plain reading of the text um, and whatever whatever translation that you have, um, we can develop an I- scientific ideas out of that. And if what current scientists say conflicts with that, we're going to stick with God's word. Okay. Essentially. Okay. And so one is like really like reading science out of the Bible. Okay. Um, and I would say, um, you know, the young earth creation position is more or less that. So like, okay. you know, you look at Genesis chapter one, you know, it says, you know, there's six days that God created, seven day God rested, yep. you know, day means, you know, in English, 24 day, day hours, means day. day means day, right? <laughs> yeah. And looking at the genealogies. And so like we can build out a science of answering the question of how old is the earth. Hmm. And from that, like then the conclusion would be, well, it's thousands of years old. Yeah. It's not tens of, you know, it's not hundreds of thousands, it's not millions, it's not billions, it's just thousands of years old. So um, so yeah, we could read science out of the Bible. Another one would be like we could read science into the Bible. And so this is this idea that we can look at what we, I guess, quote, know to be true based on scientific consensus today and then look to see, like kind of read that back into scriptural verses. So just one, I guess, popular example of that um, is the idea that uh, actually regardless of uh, what you believe about biblical interpretation or atheist or theist scientist, scientists would say that there's evidence that the universe is expanding, right? right. Some people would yeah. say that, like, rewind that tape backwards. Well, that's because it was a big bang at the start. Right. But everyone would say it's expanding. Um, and somebody who would want to, I guess, read science into the Bible would look at uh, <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22, that says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its habitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Hmm. And so, like, there's a verse that's saying, God stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Okay. And somebody uh, could say, well, that's referring to an expanding universe. Yeah. Right? So that's kind of reading science back into the back Bible. Back into it, yeah. Rather than looking at the Bible first and trying to develop a scientific idea out of the Bible. Okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. Just kind of see the difference between those two things. Yeah, I do. So one is like trying to exegete science out of the scriptures. The yes. other one is trying to kind of eisegete, to use like big sure. words, like into the text. Okay. Science. Is that, is that kind of make sense? Like, 
I think so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You're using big words. For I know. <laughs> Sorry, for Bible nerds that might make sense. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um so I, I would say there are um yeah, I, I would say there's like conflicting ideas. If we let's say try to read science out of the Bible, like I think that was um that's kind of where I started. Yeah. Um, I say just in terms of like what I, I thought the Bible was not just theologically uh, inspired, but scientifically inspired. Yeah. And I would say like what what I want, what I wanted the Bible to be. I think my views on what Scripture is have changed a little bit. But I, what I wanted the Bible to be um, was like also revealed scientific knowledge that uh, the original hearers and the, or the original author of the Bible, whoever got inspired to write the books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way they could have known that scientific fact. And now, thousands of years later, uh, we realize through, like, modern scientific investigation and consensus, like, oh, my gosh, like, that's true. Mm. And we now only know that thousands of years later. How in the world could that have gotten into a document that's thousands of years old? Yeah. It could only be because it was divinely inspired by none other than the, the, the author of the universe, which sure. is God. Makes sense. And so, like... I mean, for a lot of my life, I've been looking for those verses and I've been mm. looking for those instances where I can say, okay, see there, there's no way an ancient Israelite could have known that. That's evidence that the Bible is divinely inspired. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so um, what that leads to, though, is I would say confusion because um, I guess it's kind of like reading science back into the Bible, like that second view that we mm-hmm. talked about, because you kind of have to pick and choose so that like the science you're trying to reading into matches what scripture says. So a okay. couple examples. So just this idea of like, what's something that the ancient Israelites couldn't have known, right? Did they know that our earth was like spherical or like a ball or a globe? Yeah. They didn't. Right. Right. Uh, they had no way of knowing, right? Thousands and thousands of years BC. Uh, but there's a verse in Job uh, chapter 26, verse seven, and it says, he stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth on nothing. Okay. So you read that. Yeah. And like, what do you think? Yeah, I think of like a Christmas ornament or something is what I think. Like okay. he hangs the, you know, hanging somewhere. Yeah. Like in the and he hangs it on what? He hangs right. it on nothing. Yeah. And what, what do we know to be true about the earth now? What's our modern scientific consensus about the earth? Floating independently. Yeah, it's like, in the yeah. middle of empty space. Yeah. Right. Right? It's hanging on nothing. And so <clears throat> I've read that verse for years yeah. and thought, my gosh, like God inspired. There's no way an ancient Israelite would have known that. Yeah. Um, but then you read um, kind of a plain reading of Psalms 104 verse 5, and it says, he set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. Hmm. We kind of referenced that before. Yeah. So like when you hear that verse, like what do you think about the earth? Yeah, I think of the the picture of the earth that's like set on pillars and it's flat and there's a dome. You know, so it's literally like it's set on something like yeah. a like a house foundation yeah. right there's something underneath the earth that's holding it up and the earth sits on top of it yeah like the foundation of a building right exactly so i guess so then how do we deal with that like if we're trying to read science out of the bible or yeah. read science back into it it seems like there's two contradictory statements either the earth is hung on nothing yeah which agrees with our scientific understanding right or it's set on foundation so that it should never be moved right and so like honestly like that's led to some confusion like over the years, like how do understandably, I, yeah, yeah. How, yeah understandably. So. <laughs> if you're, if you're trying to be consistent yes. in the way you interpret the scriptures, that would lead to some confusion. Absolutely. Makes sense. 
Huh. So, okay. yeah, so the, I think those are two ways, I think, that that's common ways, actually, that Christians come to the Bible with their scientific questions, and either they try to get them answered by reading it out of the Bible, right, or they take what they think is true based on scientific observation and evidence yeah. and read it back into the Bible. Yeah. But that leads to disagreements. Right. Certainly. It, yeah. And so the second view would be just the same, because you could take two people with two different views of, you know, is the world a globe, or is the world, you know... Is the earth flat? Yes. <laughs> you know, and you get, you, you have that today, like the whole flat earther movement. Like you have people going to the scriptures yes. and trying to prove from the Bible both of those things. So Absolutely. whether you're trying to read it out or read it in, like both can lead to some confusion. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the resolve? <sighs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> to so, that. yeah, it's interesting. So like there's another um, view that um, I think I wasn't super aware of until I really started looking at this stuff. Um, and it's this this general idea that the Bible was written to a culture, you know, thousands of years ago, uh, not in our language, um, to a culture that actually looked very different than ours. It's mm-hmm. a pre-scientific culture, yeah. um, and their understanding of the world around them and the universe um, was unlike anything that we picture our world and our universe today. Yeah, yeah. So just acknowledging that, and there's a a guy. Dr. John Walton, who wrote a book, The Lost World of Genesis, mm-hmm. which kind of looks at, um, you know, what was the culture of the time that the book of Genesis and the first books of the Old Testament were written, um, to try to help us understand, like, what did it mean to them? Yeah, okay. And he, he says this all the time, this statement. He says, the Bible was written for us, but it was not written to us. Yeah. And so, you know, the truths that God inspired through scripture are for us, like they transcend culture and can speak to us today. Yeah. Um, but the Bible wasn't written to us. Like it was written in Hebrew to an ancient Near East culture, you know, thousands of years ago who had pre-scientific understandings of just about everything. Yeah. And so, uh, like diving into that. And so the, I guess his perspective, um, is just that like, we can't come to the Bible with modern scientific questions, um, we first need to talk about, like, what did it actually mean to the original hearers yeah. of the inspiration? Yeah. What did the author intend to communicate? And how did they hear that in the cultural context that they lived in? Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think there's... I think we would both say that there are, uh, you know, folks that want to read science out of the Bible or into the Bible... There's a desire to have truth rooted in the scriptures, right? Yeah. To like have whether it's whether it's validation or whether it is like trying to draw it out of the scriptures. Like there's a desire to have what we know rooted there, and so to be faithful to the Bible, like, and that can land you in all different kinds of conclusions, right? Like we've talked about. Um, we want to take that like a step further, I think. And what's it look like? Not just to be faithful to the Bible, but how are we faithful with the Bible? Like, mm-hmm. are we faithful with the scriptures and trying to understand, to your point, like, what did they mean to the original authors and the original hearers of the text? Like, yeah. that, that's kind of where we need to start. Sure. And I think a lot of us think that, you know, we can even acknowledge that there's, okay, yeah, the there was a different culture back then uh, that we have to kind of immerse ourselves in. But then there's also... What we're not always aware of is our own culture yes. <laughs> and the fact that we don't come at the text with objective eyes and mm-hmm. just say, oh, like, 
we just have to, you know, read this commentary, read this thing, and then all of a sudden we'll understand what mm-hmm. that means because we have our own presuppositions about the world and about, you know, even the idea that science itself is as old as the Protestant church, which is relatively young, you know, like yeah. 500 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a that's kind of a wild thing in the grand scheme of things. Like, yep. that's pretty young. Yeah. And so for us who come at, you know, the world in general from a materialistic, and I don't mean that in a consumeristic way, but from a, like, what's real is what we can touch and mm-hmm. see and observe. All that, like, that is... That's a line of thinking and a way of seeing the world that, like, is really relatively young. Yep. Um, and so we kind of have to, I think, acknowledge our own culture and our own lenses that we wear as well as, like, try to figure out what are the lenses and the culture of the people that, you know, originally uh, that the Bible was written to. Sure. So yep. practicing taking off the lenses that we're used to wearing. Right. And trying to put on lenses of a culture that we are just that seems very foreign to us absolutely yeah Yeah. so uh i I think one just just interesting uh lens that in question that we ask is this distinction between like natural and supernatural so you say like you know we we see an event that happens and say well was that a miracle or is that like explained naturally yeah right um and dr john walton would say like that wasn't a distinction they had in the ancient Near East culture. Like they didn't have any idea like distinction between like what's a natural occurrence and a divinely divine intervention occurrence. Like God was like div- like divinity explained everything. And for an ancient Israelite, the God of the Bible and Yahweh was behind everything that happened. There wasn't this distinction. And so he would say, we can't come to like the text of Genesis and say, well, does Genesis one talk about things that God supernaturally did hmm. or did it talk about things that God allowed to happen through like natural laws that we can use and like describe and investigate <laughs> scientifically yeah he said if that wasn't even a category of distinction for an ancient Israelite we shouldn't like the Bible doesn't have anything to say about whether or not God used a miracle like poofed something into existence mm-hmm. or allowed natural processes to happen um, because that wasn't even a distinction that they had. Yeah. And so, th- what what he he would say is that from an uh, ancient perspective, using those ancient glasses like we're talking mm-hmm. about, um, God was behind all of it, yeah. whether we would say it's natural or supernatural. Yeah, that makes sense. So, how do we maybe learn to do that? So, like, how do we approach the scriptures in a way that we try to f- take off our lenses and put on? you know, the lenses of the original hearers. How do we kind of approach the Bible, um, you know, maybe specifically about around those passages that talk about cosmology or origins or Mm. those things? Are there any, how do we go about doing that? I feel like it has to be like listening to people who've done that and who are experts in that. So like, you know, if we're talking about the fact that um, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, Mm -hmm. like listening to Hebrew scholars uh, to think about like, what is the text saying? So like, you know, I think an important thing is to recognize that, like, um, we want to make sure that we understand what the Bible is claiming, mm-hmm. right? And, and if the Bible is claiming uh, something, like, we want to stick with that, yeah. right? But we want to make sure we understand what the Bible is claiming, um, and we don't necessarily want to go dying on hills that, that we don't need to if the Bible isn't claiming those things to be true. So would it be fair to go back to the two ways of kind of seeing science either in or out of the Bible, whether we read it out of the Bible or read it 
into the Bible that maybe both of those perspectives are uh, trying to make the Bible claim something mm-hmm. that like wasn't originally there in the first place. If modern scientific thinking as we understand it was not the way that they necessarily understood mm-hmm. the world around them. Yeah. Um, not that the Bible doesn't speak to the natural world. I mean, we talked about yeah. a verse that clearly says God is at work in all of the regular rhythms and mm-hmm. patterns that we see in the universe. You know, but we maybe just have to be really careful about like approaching the Bible with the assumption that science is one of the lenses maybe that yeah. the, the original authors and readers like saw the world through. Is that fair? Sure. That's yeah. fair. Okay. Yeah, I think there just one example that kind of like helped um, clarify this a little bit and just to try to put on this idea of like the ancient lens um, and kind of take off our modern scientific lens as mm-hmm. we're reading the Bible. Uh, so Dr. John Walton just gives the example like in Deuteronomy 6 chapter 5 where it says like Moses is communicating to the Israelites like what God asked him to teach them. Yeah. Uh, and in verse 5 it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Uh, and he said, he basically goes on to say that the, the Hebrew word for heart um, is a word that's also basically used for like internal organs in general. It can refer to like the inner man, inner, inner man or the mind or the heart or the liver or the kidneys. Hmm. Uh, and he said for an ancient Israelite saying that uh, you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart wasn't just a figure of speech. He said they were like quite literally referring to their intestines. Hmm. So when you look at the Hebrew, uh, we now know that like our our mind, like uh, uh, where we make decisions, our feelings, like all that happens like inside of our skull, right. like in our brain. And so um, God was using an incorrect physiological understanding of like where hmm. decision making was, etc., to communicate a theological truth to the Israelites. Hmm. And so... Like, they, you know, they quite literally thought, like, all of that happened inside of their inside of their, their torso, yeah. essentially. And so um, God didn't correct their incorrect scientific understanding to communicate to them that he wanted them to love him with all of who they were. Yeah. Regardless of how they understood where that was. And so, like, yeah. that's just an example where, man, like, oh, man, we probably shouldn't read science in that verse out of the bible because mm-hmm. then we'd be arguing that well really our thoughts are happening in our guts <laughs> yeah right or, or we'd try to stretch it and say well you know like you know these people say like you're you make a you know a, you got a gut feeling right, <laughs> right. you know or you yeah. try to make a decision based on your gut i don't think it's you know that's kind of reading science back into the bible basically <laughs> right. we know you know happens in our gut that makes sense um but i think just for me that's just one example to show that like God's intent for his inspiration was more about theologically communicating who he was and who yeah. the Israelites were and his relationship with them rather than correcting their incorrect scientific understanding of the world. And that's just like a, a case of physiology. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful. That's one of the things like in this conversation around understanding the cultural context of all that stuff. And that might seem, if you're listening to, to this and think like, well, shoot, how am I ever supposed to just understand the Bible? Because <laughs> yeah. then, like, you're telling me I have to take off lenses and put on lenses and do all this work. And, like, gosh, we know that not everyone's going to do all that work or wants to do that work mm-hmm. or whatever. And so, to Aaron's point, that's where 
yeah, we do get to to lean on those who who are like nerdy and passionate enough to dig into all of that stuff, and, and we can sit under them and, and learn from them. And John Moulton, uh, you know, he's got great dad jokes. If you ever <laughs> listen to his stuff, Daddy he's re- relatively accessible. Actually, the commentary I got for. Our group leaders uh, for Genesis is written by John Walton or whatever, and so okay. uh, pumped about that. But yeah, I mean, we, so we do get to access the resources that are there, and and they're accessible. And we'll link to mm-hmm. even some of those things in the in the show notes for this episode, so you can go take a look at some of those things if you're interested in learning more. Um, but one of the beautiful things about even just you know that example of, of the heart, for mm-hmm. instance, is like God is interested in communicating with his people in a way that, that speaks their language yeah. that they can understand. And that is like one of the coolest things, again, to point to the glory of, of God in this conversation is that God would be bothered <laughs> to mm. like, to, to speak our language. Yeah. You know what so I mean? So we could actually understand what so, he's communicating. So we could understand what he's saying. Or, and, or they could understand what he was communicating right. with them. And, and just to go to, I guess to add to that, like, just because there's incorrect scientific understanding of that verse, does that mean that that verse is not for us because we think different scientifically? Yeah, right. No, absolutely not. Like that's that verse is still for us because yeah. the message that God was communicating is that he wanted them to love him with all that they are, Yeah. right? And we have a little bit more nuanced understanding of like all that we are scientifically, but God still wants us to use all of that to yeah. love him. Absolutely. And that's just, that is the heart behind you know, the Lord in general, like the story of God and his people is him time and time again, like wanting to dwell mm-hmm. among his folks, you know, and take up residence. And ultimately he does that in Jesus, mm-hmm. which is like the most contextualized thing you could, mm-hmm. the Lord could possibly do is to not just speak our language or, uh, you know, talk about things in unscientifically correct, like... Mm-hmm terms or whatever just to get across but to literally become us you know to become a man and so just the the idea that um yeah that that god cares and wants us to know him so badly and so deeply uh that he would choose to contextualize you know his truth and his revelation of himself to us like gosh that that should just produce praise Mm. in us you know and that yeah it's it's maybe some work to try to understand, okay, what is God trying to communicate, you know, in, in these writings that are thousands of years old. But but he has preserved this stuff for us, and he's preserved the church and given us the Holy Spirit to help us understand all these things and mm-hmm. history and, you know, all the things that, that we get to enjoy and learn about today are actually gifts that we have from him to understand him mm-hmm. more deeply. And so, like, it's just a really cool thing. Yeah, should just stir up praise towards God in us when we think about all that. So I know that we are, I don't know how long we are into stuff, 50 minutes-ish, maybe somewhere around there. And so uh, we've got some more stuff that we want to talk about around uh, science. And so I want to, maybe this might be a good place to kind of pause the conversation. Is Mm -hmm. that fair? Is there anything else that you want to tie up before we maybe end this thread of conversation? I think you tied that up quite well. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was great. Well, uh, we're going to have Aaron back on the next episode to follow up with this stuff. Uh, and we'll talk about origins and, and maybe some other uh, fun, crazy stuff too. So, um, Aaron, thanks for being on this episode. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been fun. Cool. Uh, hopefully this was helpful. Thanks for hanging in there with us, and we'll see you next time.